Oh, good morning. Uh, my name is Neil. If you don't know me, I'm an associate pastor here. Hope you guys are doing well. I love. Uh, I always say I love. I love this season because I, <laughs> I really I love all the seasons. I love that about Virginia. How we have, you know, a long winter. We've got a long spring, summer, fall. Like they're all pretty consistent, right? I remember I lived in Colorado for a while. And uh, the fall, it was like the, the, the season that you anticipated, right? The elk were bugling, the leaves were changing, but it was so short. Like, like fall would get there, you would see the, the, all the aspens would change color, and then overnight, literally two weeks after they changed color, they're all on the ground. It, it was like the season was so fleeting. <laughs> it reminds me of my, it's, this is a little embarrassing to talk about, but I have, we have two cats. And I can, I can, this, okay, this is how you know that, that Satan designed cats, right? Um, because their personalities are fleeting. Like, one second, they're like meow and like loving on you and, you know, like rubbing up all against you. And then the next second, like not even moments later, the next second, they're like tearing something up, like clawing at something or drawing blood from you. And, uh, but that's the whole like idea behind what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. We're in this series of Advent where we're expecting the birth of Jesus. Like we put ourselves in the, in the position of the Old Testament prophets and the believers in the Lord and the Old Testament. And we see that they were greatly expecting the birth of a Messiah. It was being prophesied and then the season came. It's much like the, the, the Advent season talked about in Revelation of the second coming. It's something that's going to take place and you can read about that and we'll talk about that at another time. But this season of Advent, the buildup of the birth of Jesus, in, in many ways, some of the things that we use to describe this season are words that have been taken and kind of thwarted by the culture. And a lot of the things that, like Adam talked about, hope. A lot of the things that we place our hope in are fleeting. Uh, he talked about love last week. A lot of things that we love or say that we love or experience love in, those things are fleeting. And the same today with joy. We're jumping into joy. A lot of the things that we place our joys in or that we get joy from, those things are fleeting. They're temporary when it comes to the joys of the world, right? Uh, last week or two weeks ago when Adam talked about hope, he described it as an assurance of the character of God and the promises of God. And he talked about love last week and how it was demonstrated through the entire season of Advent and then in the very life of Jesus himself as he walked the earth. But uh, he talked about how love is conditional um, in the earthly sense but God's love is unconditional. And it's the same with joy. The, the joys of this earth, the, the joys that we cling to so easily are things that are uh, fleeting or are, are things that are uh, conditional, right? Like, like if we place our joy in, uh, in the success of a hobby, then our joy depends on the success of that hobby. If our joy is placed in the success of a career, then our joy is conditional to the success of that career. If our joy is placed within a marriage and that marriage falls apart, then our joy is, being, is conditional 
to the success of that marriage. And when we place our joys in the things of this world, whether they are things that are sinful or things that are not necessarily sinful by nature, when those things are taken away, when those things are broken, when those things fall apart, when those things crumble, then our joy falls apart. Our joy crumbles. We have the knowledge as believers in Christ, if we call ourselves a believer in Christ, that uh, we, we have a knowledge of where our joy uh, should be rooted. We, uh, I, th- I think about like my, um, I've got a, a kitchen table and it was built by my great grandfather and it's, it's uh, we eat around it all the time. And, um, you know, if, if my joy was rooted in that table always being with me, uh, then, you know, if a disaster struck, we, I mean, I have had multiple house fires in our church family over the last year. And we, you know, if something like that were to take place, that table's gone. And, and if that was where my joy was rooted in that table, it would be gone. It's important to know that we can have joy in things. Like I enjoy having that table. I take care of it. I make people put coasters on it when they come over. <laughs> but if my joy was rooted in that table being uh, preserved throughout history uh, going forward, then the second something happens, uh, then that joy is taken away. I think about my hobbies. I love hunting and I love fishing. Uh, But in a split second, I see stories every year of guys who fall out of tree stands or, uh, I mean, just a simple car accident. Things can bring uh, paralysis, which would put a halt to my uh, further enjoyment of that hobby. And if my uh, joy was built, the foundation of my joy was built in the success of that hobby or the ability to do that hobby, then the second that that is taken away from me, I would be broken, I would be shattered. And the same, uh, I think about, and I want you guys to to hear the the whole explanation before you write off this uh, statement because many of us place the, the foundation, that's a key word, foundation, the root of our joy in our families in our spouses, in our children. Now, again, those are things that we should take great joy in. Those are things that I think many people don't have enough joy in. The second something falls apart in a marriage, they run. The the, the second a a kid turns a a blind eye to an instruction of a parent, that parent runs. Uh, You know, there are, there are things that need to be done in a more structured way to find great joy and to build great joy around families, around spouses, around children. But if the root, the essence, the core, the foundation of our joy is built around a person, a family member, then the second that's taken away, whether it's through, uh, again, tragedy, an accident, some sort of uh, painful circumstance, then that joy is taken away from us. So it's so important to understand that the only joy promised to be everlasting is the joy found in Jesus alone. That's the only joy promised to be everlasting. Now, through the joy built in Jesus, as we build our foundation, as we build our root system in the depths 
of our faith in Jesus, then out of that, we build joy in our family. We, we take great initiative to care well for our spouses. We, we, with every ounce of our heart, invest in our kids' lives to make sure that we have a joyful household and a joyful family experience. And things like your hobbies can be joyful experiences, but the root of our joy must be in Jesus. To understand this better, I wanna dive into Paul's letter to the Roman church. We're gonna look in Romans chapter five this morning. Uh, I, I believe that Paul painted a, a great framework uh, behind this whole idea of, of joy, uh, how we can prep to experience joy in its fullness. We're gonna read Romans five, one through five. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul starts this chapter with the word therefore. And this is a really helpful tool when it comes to reading scripture. Oftentimes when we're reading scripture, things can uh, not make complete sense. And one of the quick little tips that you can uh, grab a hold of today if you have trouble reading scriptures. Whenever you see the word therefore, we flash back to what we just read to understand what this next section comes from, where, where this next section was, the thought that the next section was birthed from. And so we see the word therefore, and then Paul dives into that. I wanna look back at chapter four. Paul is describing the way that Abraham was justified. Abraham was justified uh, by his faith, not by any ability to accomplish any sort of task. Abraham was not justified by any ability to, to make some, to accomplish some checklist or to fulfill the law. Abraham was justified by faith alone. And Paul says this in Romans 4.13, he says, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of his faith. I wanna jump down to verse 20. He says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And this is an important uh, two words here that we'll revisit. He was fully convinced, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised, the, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord and was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And that's how we get to that uh, idea of justification, right? Justified by definition in scripture means to be declared or made right in the sight of God. So Paul says, therefore, 
because we see this justification built in the life of Abraham through faith alone, not by works, not by an ability to get something done, not by running through a checklist, because we see this play out in uh, Abraham, the father of nations, we also see this play out in our life. We too, we also are justified, not by our ability to get anything done, not by our ability to, to build up a network of other people, but by faith alone. It's only through faith in Jesus that true joy can be experienced. We can't even build joy. And that's the whole idea behind not rooting our joys in uh, our vocation, not rooting our joys in our vacation, right? Not, Not rooting our joys in anything besides Jesus because we cannot build joy. We cannot earn joy. Joy is accomplished through faith in Jesus alone. True joy, the root of our joy in Jesus alone. So because of that therefore statement, because we see this play out in Abraham's life and, and, and now we have this grasp on the fact that our, our, uh, it's through faith alone that we're justified. Therefore, Paul says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God through Jesus. It says, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So how can we experience joy? When we talk about the Christmas season, the the Advent season, the build up to Christmas, how can we experience joy if we're in the midst of pain? There are many of us in in the midst of great pain, great tragedy has struck in your life. There are many people who are dealing with things that can't even be described. So how do we experience joy in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of the burden, in the midst of the battle, how do you experience joy? We have to first understand that joy is the hope of the glory of God. It's like Adam talked about two weeks ago. It's not this false hope where we say, you know, I hope I get this for Christmas or I, I hope that this takes place or, or I hope that, uh, you know, this person goes to this or, uh, you know, the, the, we flippantly throw the, the word hope out there as if to say, I hope that this happens. You know, it might or might not, but I hope it does. But the hope that we're talking about, the, the hope in the glory of God is this assurance of the glory of God, this confidence in the glory of God. True joy is built in the assurance, the confidence, the hope, and the glory of God. Now, it's relatively easy, right? Uh, we, we see this, uh, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It, like That's a relatively easy concept to grasp because we know that God is all-knowing. We know that God is all-loving. Like we, we see God throughout 
the course of history, display himself in a way that is encouraging and display himself in a way that is holy. And it's a somewhat easy concept to grasp when it comes to hoping in the glory of God. But Paul goes on to say that we also rejoice in our sufferings. Rejoice means to feel or show great joy or delight. How can we rejoice in our sufferings? When things are hard, when life strikes because <laughs> it does, how can we rejoice? It's a concept that keeps many people away from church. When you, you know, see people, that, I've, I've listened to interviews and um, watched different things on TV where people say, you know, why don't you go to church? People talk about, well, how can a loving God uh, allow tragedy? How can a loving God allow this to take place? It's important for us to understand what the root of our joy comes from. We see that suffering produces endurance, endurance character. Paul's talking about the life of a believer. When we have, as Abraham described, full assurance of the glory of God, when we believe in him and the depth of our joy is rooted in Jesus, it gives us uh, an ability in the midst of pain to have a hope in the glory of God, which is where true joy is built. John recalls something in his gospel uh, in chapter 13, I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 33. He recalls some words that Jesus said, and he said this, he said, in this world, you will face troubles of various kinds, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus doesn't say that, you know, you might experience something here and there. You know, you, you might deal with something. He says, in this world, you will face troubles of various kinds. Various kinds of trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Our faith and the knowledge of the fact that Jesus, born in a manger, <laughs> raised, died on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. That's the hope that we can cling to. The hope that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The hope and the glory of God. As I was writing this uh, sermon the other day, I, I, uh, there are many times when, I'm, when I prep, I feel like the Lord speaks something that is just encouraging, especially to me. And this was a section um, that I just want to read because I felt like it was something that the Lord spoke to me. It says, Abraham had this unwavering faith built into the essence of his being. He knew that he would face difficulties, so he prepped ahead by telling himself that no matter how tough life got, he would hold fast to the promises of God. And that is what 
justified him. Not this ability to cling to laws, but his clinging to faith that built within him a preparatory blockade against the difficulties that came his way. Difficulties will come. Pain will strike. But it's important to build a preparatory blockade against the enemy, guarding your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to know that even in the midst of pain, God is still good. He's still consistent. Even when things come that we don't understand and that we can't describe and that we don't know how we're gonna get through, it's important for us to prep for those seasons Paul talks in Ephesians about putting on the whole armor of God. It's important to prepare ourselves for the day of battle because the day of battle will arise. And if we're not rooted in Jesus, if the foundation of our joy is not in Jesus, then when that day comes, we're going to be broken. We're going to be desperate. We're going to be afraid. We're going to be lonely. We're going to be isolated. It's important for us to root ourselves and the joy found in Jesus alone. Think about it like this. When you build a house, what's the first thing you build? Foundation, thank you. <laughs> you build a foundation, right? When natural disasters come, tornadoes, fires, floods, the one thing that stands is the foundation. Okay, it's, that's a, an analogy that people have used for years. So it's important for us when it comes to building ourselves as a, uh, you know, consider yourself a house. You know, when, when we're built, it's important for us, vital for us, that our foundation is in Jesus. The root of our joy is in Jesus. And at that point, when we have full assurance of the glory of God, when we're rooted in Jesus, when suffering comes, we're able to endure that suffering. When pain arises, when tragedy strikes, though it hurts, though we might not radiate joy, we understand in the depth of who we are that our joy is not found in what was taken our way. Our joy is found in Jesus who is constant, who is eternal. James says this in chapter one, two through four, he says, count it all joy my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's a fact, we are not perfect and complete. We are not perfect and complete. But when our foundation is built on faith in Jesus, we are made perfect and complete by the blood of the lamb. Let me say that again. We are not perfect and complete. We are not perfect and complete. But when our foundation is built on faith in Jesus alone, we are made perfect and complete by the blood of the lamb. I wanna sum up by um, talking through Three super quick things, super quick. How do we experience joy in the Advent season? 
how do we experience joy in the Advent season? So we're in this season of, you know, celebrating Christmas, right? And, and joy in culture is built around presents and built around the, the, you know, snow and built around hot chocolate and all of this stuff. But it's important for us that we build our foundation, first of all, on the promises of God. The, the foundation of our faith must be in Jesus in order to experience true joy. And maybe you're, you're in a place where you say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of past the construction phase. Like I've already built my foundation, my house, and I've been living my life, and now I'm in a season of pain. <laughs> like now what do I do? My foundation is not in Jesus. What do I do? Well, we can repair cracks in the foundation. <laughs> it's important for us to revisit the root of our joy. Is it built in people? Is it built in success? Is it built in hobbies? Is it built in fill in the blank? Or is the root of my joy built in Jesus? Secondly, we, we have an understanding that our true joy is in Jesus. It goes right along with what I just said. Not any sort of worldly success or fleeting pleasure. And then finally, we, uh, in our expectation of Jesus' birth this Advent season, we experience true joy. Again, it might not be a joy that we exude or display greatly if we're in a season of pain, but it's a joy that in the depth of our hearts, we understand that God is still good and still faithful and still true. It's a joy that says, we'll get through this. Though we might walk through a tough season, though this might not be our favorite season that we've ever lived in, it is but a season, we'll get through it. God is still good. I wanna revisit uh, the, the Advent um, scripture that we read, uh, Luke chapter two. I'm gonna read eight through 14 again. And in the same region where there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock at night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. I love that picture. A multitude of heavenly hosts worshiping 
and praising the birth of the Messiah. It's the promise that was made throughout the prophets of the Old Testament coming to fruition in a multitude of hosts, a multitude of angels, a picture thousands of angels worshiping the creator that was born, this little baby born in a manger. They were worshiping because they knew that this was the savior of the world. And if that is where we build the foundation of our joy, then guess what? We can, ex- we can work through anything. We can experience breakthrough. We can push through suffering. We can endure hardships and, and failures and pains because our joy is rooted in the one that was born in a manger who brought a perfect and complete life to those who place their faith in him. Let's pray.